Henry Cowell Redwood State Park is actually uh, a pretty unique place. One of the things that, I, that is really unique are, are the albino redwoods. They're thought to be extremely rare, and they're actually pretty hard to see sometimes. When the lighting changes and you got a different angle, they can just disappear. Very magical sometimes, like a ghost. Oh, and it looks like it's grown too since we were last here. Wow, look how bright white that foliage is. The redwood forest ecosystem, the redwoods, are the only species of conifers that have such well-documented appearance of albinism, and that is really unique. Looks just like snow. There has been some reports by loggers who, has, who have observed albino foliage in dug fir, but it's not nearly as well reported. It's not nearly as readily observed as albinism in the redwoods. So we already know that redwoods are incredibly interesting because they're so tall, they have indeterminate growth. But this is one other element of redwood biology that we haven't looked at, that we haven't learned anything about. I'm Yarmila Pitterman. I'm an assistant professor at UC Santa Cruz, where I study the structure and function of plants, basically trying to understand why plants grow, where they grow, and how they do it. What are the challenges that they face? So why am I interested in albino trees? The first thing that you notice is that they don't have any chlorophyll, and chlorophyll is a fundamental pigment in plants. Without chlorophyll, there's no photosynthesis. And so I wondered, well, what are the physiological consequences of albinism? And can we use these redwood sprouts as a model to test that? So some of the questions that we're looking at is, um, how does uh, albinism affect water loss? Because, for example, we know that photosynthesis is closely coupled to transpiration to water loss. Plants don't want to lose water. That is a cost to a plant. So if there's no photosynthesis, how does the albino leaf regulate water loss? So that's one question. Second question is, is because they don't photosynthesize, what is the effect of that on the wood growth? You know, do the growth rings appear smaller? Is the growth rate slower? What are the consequences on the overall plant performance? And then lastly, how do these albinos respond to drought? Because we know in California there's a prolonged drought season, so how do these respond to that? Looks like it's wilted a little bit. It does. I bet the storm damaged it a little bit. Some of the methods that we use to study these plants are um, pyrometry. So we use a small instrument to look at water loss um, in albino versus green foliage. And those are non-destructive measurements, so we don't actually hurt the plant as we do it. Other types of measurements that we make are anatomical measurements. So for example, we make cross-sections of the wood. Um, we make cross-sections of the leaf to just try and see how does the anatomy of the plant change in the absence of chlorophyll. So this one seems to be really vigorous. The first thing you notice is when you touch an albino redwood leaf is that uh, it feels a little bit more rubbery. It's a lot softer. And if you feel the wood, it might feel a little bit more brittle. It's not quite as bendy. There's an absence of chloroplasts. And chloroplasts are the small centers in the cell that are responsible for photosynthesis. So this suite of mutations, or a single mutation, I'm not sure, clearly affects um, profoundly the basic photosynthetic machinery in these albino plants. 
this one there. So an obvious question is, you know, what are these sprouts costing the tree? You can almost think of them as parasites. They're clearly just taking carbon, you know, from mom, from the large tree that they're based out of, but they don't give anything back in return. They really are just a mutation that doesn't affect the tree too, too negatively, but doesn't add to its health either. You know, when we walk into a redwood forest, our first tendency is to look up, to look up into the canopy and just to take in the grandeur and the majesty of these incredible trees. Uh, but I also think it's interesting to look down a bit, you know, and to see, you know, what sort of diversity is in the understory. And I would say that certainly the albinos add to that diversity because here is something that we've known about for quite some time, but we've never actually studied and it just gives us a better perspective on the natural history of the redwood ecosystem, which is completely unique to California. So we still have a lot to learn about where these mutations are on the genome, what they mean, how frequent they are, but I think the more information we get, the more opportunity we'll have to explore the uh, physiology, the genetics, the biochemistry of these interesting conifers.